Hey everyone, welcome back to the Beautiful Grind podcast. Today we have Mid Toker on the podcast, who is a host of his very own podcast known as Far North Tokers. Uh, you know, his podcast is mostly centralized around the process of legalization uh, of marijuana in Alaska, but I think he brought some really great insights on the conversation about what this looks like in other states and what legalization brings in terms of opportunity. And again, we talk a lot about interesting things and, you know, we let Mid just go off and continue to talk about, you know, his insights and his and what he's noticed and, you know, his advice for anyone that's really passionate about this. Um, and the reason, you know, we decided to have this podcast, I know it's not very STEM oriented, but it's something that, you know, Daniel and I are extremely passionate about. Uh, the whole legalization process, we feel, really brings a lot of opportunities and can take a lot of inequality out of, you know, the whole uh, justice system. Uh, before I get too far on my soapbox, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation, and I really think it's an important one to have as our country continues to step and push the balance and really bring more freedoms to its citizens. So again, let's get right into the podcast, and I hope you guys enjoy this one a lot. Thanks. I think it'd be really helpful if we could discuss the difference between you know marijuana, cannabis, weed, CBD oil, and all, all those different uh, like weed-based products. Sure. Well, um, the, the first three that you said, would you say cannabis, marijuana, weed, they're all the same thing, just a different term for, for the flower. CBD oil, on the other hand, that's going to be the, pretty much the hemp plant, you know, pulling, away, uh, pulling the medicinal properties off. So you have uh, CBD is going to be medicinal. THC is going to be recreational. But with all new research, you're going to need a little THC with your CBD, as a lot of people are finding out up here. So a lot of it's just a word. Marijuana is an old word. Uh, a lot of people talk about it being a, a racist word from uh, Spanish, Mexico, you know, with the immigrants coming through and Anslinger using marijuana makes it strange, strange sounding word, easy to attack. It's foreign. I like cannabis. It's it's fun watching people as the legalization goes through what it gets called. And up here, we're in Alaska. It's cannabis. We're not even talking about marijuana anymore. Besides the Marijuana Control Board, which is not good. Well, what's the Marijuana Control Board? It's just like the Alcohol Control Board. It's the It's the board, the government board that makes regulations for the industry. And I've been pushing for a long time just to call it the Cannabis Control Board, just to lose marijuana completely out of the language, but uh, it's, it, it holds on. I mean, it, particularly when you're trying to get, get uh, the prohibitionists, uh, you just got to take away their language and language, language is weapon. So, yeah, so that's, is, that's the, what I say. is the shift kind of from cannabis to, I mean, the shift from mar marijuana to cannabis, is that kind of an important shift there, like culturally you'd say, or like, because I mean, I know that you said that there was like the the racist the racism associated with uh, marijuana. Sure, I, I feel it's just a word. It's the language. Just as people just start using it more, uh, we found it up here. It was marijuana was being used constantly. People were against marijuana, against marijuana, and every time we talk about it, just cannabis, 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 and we even had the prohibitionists calling it cannabis. Now, uh, I, it's just beautiful. Well, now we need to call it cannabis. And it, it's great. Uh, so it, it is an old word, and I think it's time to maybe it's a new it's a rebranding. 
you know, bring back, bring back what it is called cannabis, cannabis sativa. So yeah, that, that brings into the stigma that you were talking, that you wanted to talk about. It's bad. I don't know, I don't know what you guys are dealing with there in Indiana. I did a little bit of research. Oh, it looks really bad for you guys. I, you guys have no hope unless it's going to be a green day federally is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, the, the difference is since cannabis, the number one thing that people target is the THC. There are also things like hemp flour, which are completely legal because it doesn't have THC in it, but it still looks and smells like marijuana. So you wouldn't want to get caught with it, but you can mail it to your house. Just so, high, high CBD strains. Yeah, exactly. So it has like 0. 0.003 uh, THC. And it, it, it's all like farms have it in California and then they can mail it to your house and it's like federally legal for that to actually for you to have. And that seems to be all that's legal in Indiana, correct? You guys are yeah. it's harsh. The CBD oil, cannabidiol is, is good for you guys, right? Do you have to have, yeah. can you just go buy it? Yeah, you can go get CBD oil like at a gas station. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, you got to worry about that though. I mean, you got to, if you're using CBD, make sure you're getting it from reputable uh, makers, the same as you would do anything. Yeah. So keep, keep an eye on that. Uh, Select CBD is a hot, is a very good one. And then Montel, Montel uh, uh, Lenative, I believe it is. Two top CBD lines that are hitting the nation. So people might be wondering right now, kind of thinking, well, why are we talking about this? And I guess, I guess it's really important for us to first kind of showcase your history with uh, cannabis and kind of how you've interacted with it. Uh, so I'm curious if you could uh, sort of share why you started your podcast, Far North Tokers. Sure. Uh, I've always listened to AM radio. Uh, in Fairbanks here, we have a local radio station that during the day, it had an hour or two hours where people could call in and just talk about things that are happening locally. And one of the DJs on there, I, I was kind of doing a little armchair DJing, thinking, oh, I can do it better than him. I can do it better than him. And just like, come on, shut up. He's getting paid to do that. And then I keep listening to him and I get mad at how he's running it and just needs to be doing it better. And the job I was working at, I didn't have a lot of voice in where I was at it. And I felt like I was being pushed down a lot and couldn't get things going. And then I was trying to get into the legal cannabis market and I'm thinking, wow, this is, could be a great way to advertise. And I'm listening to Colorado podcasts and I'm listening to Washington podcasts about legalization. And I'm thinking, wow, there's no one here in Alaska doing it. Um, maybe this is a chance. And my end goal was to really get on the radio thinking of that old paradigm of just being on the radio. And the, I've been doing this now a little over three years and I still feel like I want to be on the radio. But when I made that decision of, okay, I'm going to hit that record button and just start talking and then find somewhere to post it out to, like I went to SoundCloud. I know a lot of, if anyone listening out there that has podcasts, people do not like SoundCloud, but I've had no troubles with SoundCloud. Everything's been good, free, I don't know three hours or something. I filled that up quick. Just talking, just talking about what was going on. And I, 
I began living a life of just do it. Don't be afraid. So many times we just, we get, I am 45. So I guess I'm getting to that middle, middle of life. And you look back and think of all those things you just didn't do. Not of what you did do, but what you didn't do. And I'm, I'm done. I'm done living like that here. I have a chance. Just hit record. And I've recorded the top questions going into the marijuana control board. Read them off and launched it. And I had a like the following day. Not a like. Someone listened to it. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Someone actually listened to it. And it took me months to even get 100 listens. But I'm working at a dispensary up there. And I'm thinking, wow, we could, we could use this as the complete advertising factor for this store. Um, that it didn't work out. I ended up leaving that retail and I'm thinking, wow, I've got this show and some people are starting to listen locally. I can market this to every business here in town. That didn't work out either because cannabis was, people were really afraid about advertising, even on a podcast. And I I didn't have any listeners. They're just worried about, they have their license shut down in the beginning and it was scary. You didn't want to risk everything that you put into it. Um, I started with interviewing my friends. We'd get together and chat about what's going on. I talked to business owners and then I interviewed Santa Claus, which is, was huge. He lives in North Pole up here. I don't know if you guys know that, but Santa Claus lives in North Pole and he is actually on our city council. His name is actually Santa Claus and he <laughs> wow. supports CBD for kids. Now check him out. He was on Facebook for a while. He actually got taken off Facebook. He had uh, hundreds of thousands of followers and he got taken off, got reinstated through Facebook and he just recently got off again because they were giving him hassle about saying that it's not his real name, but he is Santa Claus on his driver's license. Uh, having him on was great talking to the Santa Claus. Then I started getting politicians and people running for different positions. And I was attending all these meetings, all making policy meetings. So I kind of knew what I was talking about and, uh, getting getting the mayor on was really great. It, it's starting to pull my showing together. I uh, again, a lot of people talk about starting podcasts up here. I've been doing it for three years, and anyone that's listening now to you guys or finds me later that's that's into cannabis and it's legalizing in your state, and you want to do a podcast, do it, man. It's so fun following following the policy, you know everybody, you get to bring them on and you get to walk with giants. You get to walk with people that were on the board. I, I just interviewed the guy that was let go from the board. Uh, industry seat. He's been on there since the beginning and he got let go and a prohibitionist is being put on. And so that's, that's the fun stuff we're dealing with right now. Three years legal and we're still facing fights from the inside. So ah, what's podcasting it gives me a place to talk my friends and no one no one can control it no one can say i'm not allowed to say that that's the beauty of what happens with what i do it's interesting so it sort of gives you a voice and kind of gives you a reason and an audience to share your exploration of kind of the legalization process of cannabis it is it's 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 a time capsule 
of Alaskan legalization. I started the podcast maybe right after we legalized them. The, the vote came through maybe four months after we legalized, two months after we legalized, I started the show. And then I was there for the first sale in Alaska. Um, and as, as different places close down and I, I get to become a center for cannabis news, which a lot of people are afraid of in the beginning. And that's the beauty then of the podcast. Again, we get to have alt media, do whatever we want. It's just, it's great. I, I came in second place to a giant cannabis magazine up here for cannabis media at one of our cannabis competitions we have here in the state. What a good feeling that was to have a podcast, my little podcast come in second to this giant magazine out of Washington, Alaska leaf, uh, Northwest leaf is the name of the magazine, but they publish in a couple different legal states and man to come in second to them was a good feeling. Even this year, I'm gonna take it. That's so uh, that's interesting. I mean, the whole, uh, conversation about cannabis, I mean, it's kind of funny to hear you say, uh, cannabis competitions and you know, oh, yeah. all the pictures that come to my mind with that. Um, but it, I guess I'm more curious. I mean, what opportunities did the legalization process bring to the state of Alaska? And I mean, have you noticed like what makes cannabis so offensive for people or what, what's the whole like issue with it? What's the, what's the negative aspect of it? Yes. No, I think a lot of it's wrapped up in moral issues. And then some people, when you're told that you shouldn't be doing something, a lot of people just follow those rules. There's a, there's a large segment of the population then that feels righteous that they can follow some rules set out for them and other people choose not to or can't in their minds. And one thing through this journey that I found is uh, freedom and this idea of every, everyone wants freedom for themselves. It's just so hard to give it to someone else. You know, if you want freedom, you have to be willing to give it to other people. And I've seen some of the greatest fighters for liberty in my community here when we're fighting against uh, wood stoves up here or um, different conservative issues, abortion or taxes, these people fighting for liberty and freedom be so against cannabis for a moral reason. And I don't understand it other than to say that's what they were taught and they're following in that. And I suppose that's to be commended. And some people make a lot of money from being against it. I, I was reading on your guys' website, the Indiana DEA. That is some scary stuff. That doesn't even sound like our country. I, I, I am so far into legalization. We've got three years here that I forget how bad it is in other states. Your, your DEA guy, um, his, his big site is saying how bad it is and we need to fight it and it's the number one thing. We're going to be we're going to stand up against national legalization. We'll be the last guardian against this old uh, dream. It's crazy. I, I don't, um, if you get caught with cannabis in Indiana, do you guys know the penalty? No. Yeah. I, I think it could be six months and I think it was like $5,000 fine. I mean, I don't know. You probably if you're a good lawyer, you get out of that, but at least what normal was saying, that's, can put just in 
I mean, fear of being punished. That's why people don't do things, right? I mean, if you're told you're going to go to jail. Hell, I don't want to. I don't want to go to jail. It's it's kind of insane too, because um, the the thing is, cannabis is getting so big in other states and in the world, in like most of North America at this point, that um, the you know like carts, right? Cartridges. Sure. Yeah, those are actually a felony. Yes, I saw. I saw any concentrates, huh? Any concentrates made. So yeah, that's that is sweeping the nation. Like, what's going to be funny is cartridges, like you're talking about, are going to be ten years, twenty years. We're probably not even going to see flour anymore. You're not even going to see blood unless you know some hippie friend that's growing it, or you're growing it yourself. The delivery method of cannabis oil through uh, cartridges is so easy. It, it doesn't offend anybody, which is a big thing. You know, people say about the smoke, it's, it's better for you, healthier for you. It's vaporizing it instead of smoking it. Uh, and you can turn a lot of bad weed into good stuff. You don't have to trim it. Just throw it all in there. Uh, that's, that's what we're going to see with it. You guys are going to be fighting it and the rest of the world's going to be, I th- uh, it's going to take green day for you guys to win for you guys to get that uh, right of cannabis. And, and honestly, good. I think that comes soon enough. I, I don't think we're just too far away from green day. No, maybe I would say five years is, is what I would say. Prediction. Um, when we got started here in Alaska, I was saying 10 years, but things have really quickened over the last couple of years with the different States coming on. I lose track of what, what is really going on in the other States. Cause we're, we're moving so fast up here. I can't even imagine what it's like in Colorado or Washington where it's been five going on 10 years and they've had medical cannabis for 15. So it's not even a thought in their brains. And it's so scary in Indiana. Wow. So uh, I don't know what, yeah, it is going to take national legalization for some of the states to flip over to give rights to people, give freedoms to them, access. So I think, I think a main issue might be at that point is, you know, people don't really see the opportunity that legalization can bring, particularly economic impact as well as, you know, I think there's a lot of technological uh, advantages that can be used in the growing process of cannabis. Sure. Uh, just, any idea that's out there right now, I think there's some old invention joke about any product you have, if you add a digital clock to it, would be a new product. Now, any business idea, any business model you have, you just add cannabis to it and you've got a new, a new thing. It's going, it is so huge. It's going to be spreading. The largest consumers, the, the largest group is senior citizens that's starting to consume cannabis. It's not young kids. Um, no, largest group. It's for pain, um, uh, cancer, and just just realizing now that it's legal, they've been told their whole life that here's something that is illegal, and now they're allowed to. And wow, it takes the place of opiates or alcohol just for relaxing at the end of the day. So yeah, biggest group right there. Um, the taxes that can be brought in is better for one in the black market. The taxes aren't being collected from it that way. 
uh, it's dangerous in the black market. There have been a lot of times over my life where I've put myself in bad situations just to get cannabis. Uh, stupidly, just to get cannabis. And now there is zero risk. I walk into a store, give them money. I walk out with a package. It takes 30 seconds, a minute. Um, I'm not sitting in a parking lot for three hours waiting to meet my guy who tells some other guy to meet me and then I get robbed or I'm not, I'm getting things that are tested. So it's healthier. For one, I used to have no idea what I was consuming, whether it be an indica or sativa, basic divisions of cannabis. One going to keep you up, maybe moving around a little more and one's indica is going to lay out into couchtica and uh, sativa diva how I'm going with it. And you would never had any idea what you were buying unless you knew the grower. So having access to it, easy access, safety, you know what you're consuming. There's chemicals aren't being used in cannabis that we're consuming in a legal market. The money coming in, people that used to grow in a black market, now they can come in and be legitimate. They can contribute to society. They can tell their kids, I do something good instead of having to hide all the time. I see so many people up here that used to be afraid and hide and not be able to buy things because you can't show that you have this kind of cash around. Now that you're in a legal market, uh, you're paying your taxes, your kids are going to school and they're, I don't know if they're respected quite in the same way. They're still talking about it like, oh, their parents own that pot farm. But, it's coming around. It's not as shadowy as it used to be. Lots of opportunity. Invention, um, innovation, using uh, what? Um, automation. Any Automation is going to be the key to moving cannabis forward. I, I hear someone up here right now talking about they're going to be starting an automated packaging company. Has nothing... It, nothing to do with growing the cannabis. People just bring in them the product. They put it in the machine. It packages it up for them. They get it at the other side. It's, it's a big business just packaging it and making it uh, consumable. So lots of opportunities for everyone, really. Uh, and the, the only ones that takes it away from are people that are making money from it being illegal. Black market, prisons, health industry, um, let's see what else lawyers police makes a lot of money being illegal so I have I have no people that have been trying to make their living off of cannabis for the past couple of years for instance my aunt now she moved to California and bought nine acres of land and helps grow out there and um, I'm curious like what like what do you see as the biggest things that are going to come out of it in regards to other avenues. Like you mentioned shipping, but I know somebody just here in Indiana who with no relation to cannabis at all, he's having me 3d model pieces for a like two layered grinder just so that he can patent it at a hundred dollars an hour. Beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's a new industry. It's a new, in, like when have we uh, not in my lifetime? Well, that's not true. I'm sitting here thinking about the internet that's come along since I've, been alive but this idea of this new industry where 
we're bringing in cannabis into the light and there's a lot of consumption of it and it just keeps on getting more and more and more and more and more. Every store that opens up, the stores don't see decrease in sales. Just keeps on improving. Um, if you're a small business person in a beginning legalization state, you have a chance in the beginning, but it's going to be overrun like every other thing is overrun by corporations. Uh, it, it'll happen with every, the same as it happened in every other industry, unless your regulations are set up in such a way at the state level that it limits the size of grows and the amount of grows you can have and different things like that. If you want to do that, but politicians normally are backed by people who don't want it to be that way, you know, make as much money as they can. So at that point, is it, is it bad if corporations now start to, would start to take over a cannabis industry? It depends on what kind of philosophy you partake in. I, I think it's bad. I like having wealth spread out to as many people as possible instead of being, um, uh, gained by a few. I like a mom and pop style of sales transactions, but I understand that can't happen. It's not going to happen in a global market, but, um, it's sad. I, I don't like seeing it going away, but I think it's going to. So I, 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 I guess I don't know how to answer your question other than um, it's going to happen, but it's sad to me that it is happening. Uh, my, I, my parents had a video store. Like I grew up renting, uh, my parents rented um, video cassettes, like video VCR tapes to people. Like they were out before Blockbuster and now Blockbuster's dead. And I saw our little mom and pop shop grow and then just get destroyed by big and it's just hard to compete hard to compete when you can when you can manipulate at a macro level so when you're approaching politicians that are trying to shut down cannabis how do you get them to talk to you about it if if you're talking about these big corporations and how they're making money about it open openly how do you approach them I think you just have to approach them calmly. I, and I, I honestly don't see much that you can gain from it. If they're against it, you're not going to change their mind. It takes a long time to change people's minds. You can keep on sending them education and studies, but it, they're going to see what they want to see. And depending, you just have to be a positive ambassador, I guess is a good way to do it. You have to be positive through your actions all the time. You can't be this in my world, you can't be the stupid stoner. You can't be showing up all high and not know what you're saying when you're trying to um, go to city council meetings or borough assembly meetings or whatever kind of meetings that you're trying to go to. You need to know what you're saying and have it backed up. Uh, it, it's frustrating to talk to right now. We are going through our governor justice of making these appointments to the board where he, he dropped uh, Brandon Emmett, who runs one of the largest manufacturing companies here in Alaska. He's been around since the beginning, running regulations, trying to get policy established, getting all legalization moving. He's knocked off and this prohibitionist is put on. So you take someone off the board, a five-member board, who most likely votes yes in everything, and replace them with a no, 
it's not going to be bad, not going to be good for our industry. And there's nothing you can do to sway her mind. Um, we just voted on-site consumption legal uh, two months ago, I believe it was. So in Alaska is set to be the first place in North America to have on-site legal consumption. That's not hidden in a um, club or um, speakeasy type of thing. And the people that voted yes were just replaced by the governor and people that are replacing them are prohibitionists. So I'm guessing it's all going to be brought back up or slowed down. Be positive, be positive, calm. Don't yell at them. Don't be stupid. Back up what you're saying and be consistent. I guess that's what you can do. Point out everything that they're saying is wrong and do it in a gentle way. Gently disagree with them. I think so because they they're they're not they're not going to agree with you and they're a lot of them are very militant. They come with background stories, you know their their son or daughter or aunt, uncle, cousin was addicted to the pot and um, died or killed somebody or um, whether or not that's the true story or not. Who knows? Because they're just telling a story and that's what they believe and it's hard to fight with beliefs. Definitely, and you. So um, I think you just have to garner, garner the people that are supporting you and gather them and bring them out of the closet and find all those people and make positive, positive changes. Not, not everyone votes. And if you're going to want to make changes, you got to have it happen in the voting booth and activate the young, the youth, get them out there and vote. Um, <laughs> Cannabis definitely brought a lot of people out when we had it legal for a year and then our community was trying to outlaw it. We're in the state of Alaska. Each community is allowed to um, choose whether they want to have it or not. So ours decided they were going, uh, we're going to put up a vote and have it outlawed. And it brought out voters. We had, um, I think triple the voter turnout than we've had in previous years. And it, it lost 70, 30. It was huge. Um, and I believe it was only 30, 40% of the population voting. Anyway, people, a lot, most people don't vote. So a lot of, a lot of it's wasted on talking to people that aren't going to be there. Find the people that are going to vote, talk to them, get them all out, change it. Indiana though, guys, I think you're going to have a hard time. People in authority are, whoo, looks so tough. It seems so ancient reading some of that stuff that's up on those websites there. Well, it's interesting because, I mean, to me, I'm just curious. I mean, how do, how do politics ultimately affect like such an emotionally charged industry such as cannabis? I mean, it's the same thing with technology. Uh, I mean, there's this huge emotionally charged argument against, you know, how data is used. And, you know, there's a lot sure. of really interesting ways that people will argue about certain topics, especially AI. I mean, I, I mean, it might be a bit of a stretch to compare the, the situation with AI to, I mean, the, the cannabis industry, but I mean, it's, it's similar tactics that are used. Definitely. I, um, I started to think about how, how you were talking about AI. Can you, can you say your first part of your sentence that you were saying earlier? What was the question? Oh yeah. So, I mean, how, how does politics really play a role with, uh, how, with the tactics that are used to, I mean, defend against gotcha. legalization or defend <laughs> against adoption of certain technology? So politics, I, in the end of the day, it only matters how those people sitting in the chair voting. 
So get your people sitting in the chair. That's it. And so many times at public meetings when all the public testimony is going towards those people sitting in the chair, making the decision, whether the assembly, councils, um, legislatures, they know how they're going to vote. They're, they're not listening to you. Maybe I'm jaded, but they know how they're going to vote. Um, you need to put your people on those seats. That's, that's what we did. We, um, we found the best and brightest of the movement, and they're sitting on local seats right now. So start small, start in the local, and push it up. I mean, yeah. There's only, at, at local regulation, I think we have seven on our, on our accounts, um, five, six, seven, in the borough and, and council. And it just matter, they're the ones that matter when they're voting and, put, and pushing regulation. So in the beginning, it's hard to, for even people to support cannabis. During our legalization run in 2014, no one was even talking about it. No politician wanted to say whether they were yes or no to it. For one, maybe similar to AI, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't fit nicely into that Republican-Democrat paradigm. I mean, you have people on both sides that are for it. Like you have people on both sides that are for cannabis. So people on the maybe far right, hardcore liberty people, um, are going to be for cannabis and maybe some of those conservative people are using cannabis and not telling people about it. So it was quiet. It was quiet through the election time. Then when people see that, okay, it, it passed, you hear more politicians start and talk more about it. And because they know it's, it, it's safe to talk about. It's funny to hear in some of the people that you th would think that are completely against it now before it whether they see that they can gain some votes for it now or whether they truly believed in it all the time. It's hard to say with politicians, but um, there's a lot of, there is change that happens with them. That is an interesting take on it. I mean, it's always kind of silly to see after something that's considered uh, controversial go down. Uh, how many people will come out and say, Oh, this is amazing. When, you know, the, before this happened, they were quiet and they were silent about it. Right. And th that's one of the things about with cannabis and it has a huge, it's, it's the black market. So you have all these people who were making money for a long time now in the legal market. Maybe this would be a good time to jump into STEM and what you guys, um, that's a new educational concept to where I'm coming from, where I used to, but I can understand it. Science, right? Just yeah. Just STEM is science. Technology, math, all that. And it's just kind of, I, to me, I just see there's such a huge overlap with and STEM and, and cannabis. I mean, to me, technology goes perfectly well with social issues. It is. You are, that's, that's the big jump from black market to a, a legal regulated market is whether you can follow directions, whether you can jump into a government structure. Some people are so resistant to it. They just don't want anything to do with it and will stay black market forever. 
some want to come out of the dark and be a part of it, but can't because they don't have the skills. They don't have the skills, math skills, just um, to keep track of all the plants that are coming through of a cultivator, keeping track of them on a computer, making sure it gets entered in when it gets entered in and making sure if they're over six inches, they're tagged and keeping organized. All that goes into the legal market. It's some, I've seen people's grows that are not legal and some of them can be kind of sloppy in my opinion, because I've seen a lot of legal markets, legal grows and the sl- an, an under black market grow, they, it just gets done. It's pushed in where it can fit into someone's house or be hidden and things. It's not regulated. You don't have to keep uh, signs up. You don't have to keep all the trimmings separate from this and you can't use bug spray, different things like that. Staying compliant. So can you follow rules? Can you fill out the application? I mean, that's one thing too. There's a business for people who can just fill out an application. A lot of people don't know how to get that done. Follow the rules and get your business license. So being educated and coming into the legal market is going to be a plus. Knowing how to add and keep your numbers straight is going to be a plus. Even algebra. I've had to use it a few times. (laughs) um just seeing seeing how things are built and knowing the structures and seeing making decisions on scientific method you know using a control and looking at your plants and seeing this one's better strain than that one science is definitely going to be involved in it yeah i mean of course I, i mean are you familiar with uh something known as blockchain sure uh i'm from uh I know what it is. I have only started dabbling around it the last year and a half, trying to understand it, see what it is. Using using blockchain would completely subvert uh, federal issues. You wouldn't have to worry about it. I I have I do not know of any dispensary that's accepting uh, cryptocurrency. There are some out there. Uh, Hot coin and cannabis coin, hemp coin. Um, they're they're fun. I I collect them. Just being in my um, being in my I, my world. And the four twenty is coming up, so be ready for the pump and dump around four twenty for that one. It'll go up. You know, it'll go up a couple days before, and then it'll drop probably four nineteen. So if you want to collect some pot coin for that, I definitely see huge things for i mean that's that's kind of where it started right with uh silk road and the dark web and using bitcoin for that and then it takes away that the middleman too right it one definitely takes away the middleman yeah yeah because then there's no one individual or anyone that can control your system or you know it's it's essentially a decentralized system and it proves that you know the data in your system is valid everything that you're seeing you know you can trust just having be a cash only market in cannabis, like you're not allowed to accept credit or not allowed to have banking. There was just recently a bank up here, credit union that's offering trial runs for cannabis businesses, but it's really expensive and 
only a certain number being pulled in. Um, it would be a way for cannabis business to store their money. I mean, electronically put it into crypto. So I, I would, I'd love to see some ATM machines, crypto ATM machines come in and people use it that way. I'd love to see one. That would be great. But people just have to use it. Hey everyone, if you are hearing my voice now, that means you have made it to the end of this podcast of The Beautiful Grind. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider liking, please consider subscribing, and definitely please share on social media. Uh, you know, we felt like this was a really important podcast to have in terms of content type, because even though it wasn't STEM-oriented, it really is a hot topic that is going around the United States with legalization of marijuana. Anyways, thanks so much for listening, guys. We really appreciate your support. Have a great night.